Mr. Beast has captured the attention of the world. His YouTube videos have been viewed more than 26 billion times. He has more subscribers than the population of Russia. He turns over more than $50 million each year, and he's just 24. Today, I'll explain how he did it. I'll walk through the subtle yet significant psychological tactics Mr. Beast uses to draw in his viewers and turn them into fans. Mr. Beast is arguably the world's greatest marketer. Keep listening and I'll show you how he became so successful. But first, here's another podcast I'd recommend. The podcast I'd like to recommend today is the D2C pod, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The D2C pod is a podcast all about all the things direct-to-consumer. The hosts cover everything from starting, growing, and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. If you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, this is a podcast for you. To start, I'd suggest checking out episode 318, which features the CMO of Feastables. So listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I don't doubt that some of you listening will be asking yourself, who is Mr. Beast? See, he's wildly popular, but not in every demographic. He's a young YouTuber who has amassed an unrivaled following, but not in traditional means. He's not found his fandom via television, he hasn't released an album, he hasn't used standard mediums to gain following, he just creates YouTube videos. But these videos have captured the attention of billions. If you combine the subscribers of all of his channels, they would rank as the seventh most populated country in the world, just behind Brazil and ahead of Russia, Mexico and Japan. His videos have been viewed more than 26 billion times. That's the equivalent of every single person in the United Kingdom, from one-day newborns to 100-year-old pensioners, watching 38 of his videos or nine and a half hours of Mr. Beast content. It's kind of hard to compare Mr. Beast to typical media. More people have viewed his videos than TV shows like Friends and movies like Star Wars and even books like Harry Potter. But he's not just a storyteller, he translates this attention into revenue. He earned $54 million last year, launching a range of chocolate bars, an apparel brand, and even a fast food business. I'd argue that he's one of the world's best marketers. Not only does he capture the attention of billions, he turns many of them into customers. So, how does he do it? How did Mr. Beast, who started his channel aged 13, create a multi-million dollar business empire in less than a decade? Well, I've spent over 50 hours analysing his work, and I can see that he typically uses three well-known behavioural science nudges to garner attention. In this episode, I'll walk through those tactics that he uses and show you how you can copy them to use them in your own work. Okay, let's get on with it. The first psychological bias that Mr. Beast uses is known as the input bias. It is a fairly simple bias, and you have almost certainly experienced it before. It means that the more time, effort, and money you sink into something, the more you'll value it. If you spend $50 on a bottle of wine, you'll enjoy it more. If you spend 50 hours painting a portrait, you'll value it more highly. What's interesting is that it works not only for individuals who are experiencing the input or sunk cost, i.e. the painter or wine drinker, but also for others who witness the input. Now, for example, studies show that you'll enjoy food more when you see the effort that's gone into creating it. 
even though you're not making the food yourself. When you see the effort that's gone into cooking it, you'll enjoy it more. There's another interesting study on this. House buyers who are given a list of properties and told the retail estate agent has spent all night preparing the list will rank those properties as better suited to their needs than the exact same list created in seconds by computers. This links with other biases you might have heard and other biases I've talked about on this show like labour illusion and endowment effect. There's a lot of overlap. But the important idea here is when you see or hear the input that goes into something, you'll value it more. Mr. Beast has used this bias consistently to make people value his videos and arguably it's the first psychological hack he used to capture attention. He sunk an extraordinary amount of time into creating some of his earliest videos, which captured the attention of people and caused them to click on his videos and watch. One of his first viral videos was him cutting a table in half with a plastic knife. This is a table. I'm going to take these plastic knives. I'm going to cut right here. I'm going to cut all the way through it. Yep, it sounds boring. And it really is. It takes him hours. He cuts the video down to a three-minute video, but you see dozens of clips from different days as he slowly chips away at this table. The content is undeniably dull, and yet it has 3.5 million views. This was one of Mr. Beast's first viral videos, and it propelled his fame. Why? Well, it's down to the input or sunk costs. He sinks so much time into creating the video that people value it more, even though the activity is fairly worthless. The effort he went into also meant that no one else had done something like that before. This obviously makes the video unique, making him stand out, but importantly makes people value him as a creator more. Viewers think, well, if he spent dozens of hours doing this, he's clearly someone that's not afraid to go to great lengths to create interesting content. The video is boring, but it's leveraging a cognitive bias to capture attention. And Mr. Beast learns this quickly. He saw the success of this video and creates many more just like it. He read the longest word in the English language. What's up, guys? Today, I will be pronouncing the longest word in the entire English language. Let me uh, give you a little sneak peek of what it looks like. Uh, not to go ahead and get started, so um, get a good neck pop. That took him two hours and has more than 30 million views. He said Logan Paul 100,000 times. That took 17 hours. Logan Paul, 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 Logan Paul. That has 21 million views. He counted to 100,000, which took him 40 hours. 9,665, And that video has 26 million views. Showcasing the effort Mr. Beast sunk into these videos made people value them more, even though that effort is kind of worthless. Now, you don't have to do ridiculous challenges like this to use this bias. I've used it myself to improve my social media ads. I tested two Reddit ads promoting the show. The control version said, learn six memorable marketing lessons with Nudge, the podcast that simplifies the science behind great marketing. Then I had an input bias version. It read, I've spent 480 minutes listening to market experts over the past year. Here are the six best lessons I've heard. That second ad, the one that showcases the input, the costs I've sunk into creating the show, had a 45% higher click-through rate and it drove thousands of extra people to my show. 
And it's the same principle that Mr. Beast uses, but just in a slightly different way. You can apply this yourself. If you're at a tech company, tell your clients how long your team have spent building a feature. If you're a barista, tell your clients how long you've trained for. And if you're a podcaster, do what I did at the start of the episode and tell listeners how long you've spent preparing for your latest episode. Okay, input bias. That is the first tactic Mr. Beast applies. But as you can imagine, that's not enough to capture the attention of billions. There are two more significant nudges he uses to grow his following. One of them is so unique, it's hard to think of any creator or business that applies the principle in the same way. I'll share all of that after this quick 60 second break. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's like trying to remember the name of someone you've just met at a networking event. I've made this mistake before, introducing a colleague to my new friend Dan, only to find out his name was actually Ian. Being personal with your customers is important, but keeping on top of all that information can be very hard. That's where HubSpot's all-new service hub comes in. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. It's got an AI-powered help desk and an AI-powered chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. Plus, it never forgets a first name. All of that can help you scale support and drive retention and revenue. That means better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com service to do more for your customers today. After the initial success of Mr. Beast's input bias videos, he received his first brand deal. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with YouTube, it's worth explaining how a typical creator gets paid. Usually a YouTuber makes most of their money via YouTube. So YouTube will pay creators for the views they get. The more views, the more ads on their video, the more YouTube will pay the creator. YouTubers with larger audiences also get paid through brand deals. These are advertisements that the creator puts into their videos themselves. They are not skippable like standard YouTube ads. Instead, they are baked into the video. Mr. Beast was offered his first brand deal back in 2017. The advertisers offered Mr. Beast $5,000 to promote their brand during one of his videos. But Mr. Beast had an idea. He wanted to give away all the money from the brand deal to a homeless person and film their reaction. He thought this would be a great idea for a video. However, he also thought that $5,000 wasn't enough. It wasn't attention grabbing. He wanted $10,000. So he spent hours pleading with the advertisers to double their payment so he could give away a full 10k to a homeless person. The brand agreed and Mr. Beast went and gave away $10,000. Be nice and just give people some help. So uh, if you want to take it, it's about $10,000. I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah, I swear. <laughs> Now, I'm not certain that extra 5k made a difference, but nevertheless, this video was another huge success. In fact, it's a bit of a turning point in Mr. Beast's career, driving much, much higher views and propelling his subscribers to an even greater level. And yet again, he's using a psychological hack to garner this attention. And he'll come back to the same principle time and time again, giving away extraordinary amounts of money in almost all of his videos. But why? 
Why does he give away so much money? What is it about these videos that make them so engaging? Well, it's down to another behavioural science principle known as costly signalling. Now, if you're a regular listener of Nudge, you'll know about costly signalling. Simply put, the more money you spend to communicate something, the more people will pay attention to that communication. It's why a wedding proposal at a Michelin-style restaurant will be more persuasive than the same proposal at Burger King. And it's why Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is one of the world's most successful game shows. On a previous episode of Nudge, I ran a test where I superimposed an advert for Nudge on a billboard. I showed this ad, and the same ad, just without the billboard, to 200 people across the UK and found that the billboard version made people two times more likely to listen to my show. It's not just ads where costly signalling is important. Major brands use the same principle to showcase their values. Patagonia famously declined to sell corporate vests to employees of firms that do damage to the environment, including oil companies, mining companies and finance firms. Patagonia was giving up millions in revenue, a costly signal, but in doing so changed how people perceived the brand, making folks value it more. My favourite example of costly signalling comes from Dave Trott's book, Predatory Thinking. He shares the story of John Cunningham, a night fighter during World War II. During the Blitz, his squadron shot down twice as many aircrafts as any other night fighter squadron. But the thing is, everyone knew his secret. Everyone knew John Cunningham's secret, even the Germans. Cunningham had exceptional eyesight because he ate a lot of carrots. Carrots contain vitamin A, and that helped Cunningham recover quickly after a flash of bright light in the darkness. According to Trott, in those days, most people hadn't heard about vitamins, so this was big news and in all of the papers. Cunningham quickly became a celebrity. He also wore dark sunglasses in the daytime. He only took them off at night to fly. This was to maintain the sensitivity of his night vision. Obviously, his eyes would be sharper than the enemy who had been exposed to bright light all day. This combination of eating carrots and wearing sunglasses gave Cunningham exceptional eyesight that made him the best fighter. Except it didn't. The squadron did shoot down twice as many enemy planes, but it had nothing to do with Cunningham's eyesight. It was pure propaganda. The RAF had developed a combined radar system that could guide a plane to a bomber. This was the first of its kind, and Cunningham's squadron was the first to be equipped with it. If the enemy found out, they'd take countermeasures, so the RAF had to keep it quiet. Enemy spies reported back to Germany that the reasons they were losing so many bombers was due to Cat's Eyes Cunningham, and for a long time the Luftwaffe bought that story, and they lost a lot of bombers to radar before they discovered the truth. Why did they believe this bogus story? You'd think the German army was a bit smarter than that, right? Well, they believed it due to costly signalling. Cunningham really did wear sunglasses all day and he really did eat carrots with every meal. Spies would report him wearing these sunglasses out at restaurants, watching TV at night, walking around the shops. This is classic costly signalling. Cunningham put up with having to wear sunglasses all day to persuade the enemy that he really had cat's eyes. The Germans didn't think to question it. If he'd put up with wearing sunglasses all day, then there must be a good reason behind it. That's how costly signalling can influence our perception. And Mr Beast, well, he uses this same tactic. By giving away extraordinary amounts of money, amounts of money that no one else would be able to give away, people take note. They see the costs behind the video and they value it more. 
This format works for Mr. Beast, and since he first started trying it, he's stuck with it ever since. Costly signaling is a key component behind most of his successful videos. Now, some are very literal, like the video where dozens of people had the chance to win a Lamborghini. All they had to do was keep their hand on the car. I grabbed 50 random people in a brand new Lamborghini. Everyone put your right hand on the car. Whoever takes their hand off last gets the $300,000 car. Or there's other videos with costly signaling where the last person to take their hands off $1 million gets to keep it. Please put your right hand on this cash. Dead serious. Last one of you to take your hand off this million dollar stack of cash keeps it. He's done hide and seek games where the winner gets 70k. He's offered $10,000 to the last person to leave a circle. He has spent millions recreating Charlie's Chocolate Factory and gave thousands to the contestant who completed all the chocolate themed related challenges. He spent millions on mystery boxes and opened them for his video and he famously spent $4 million to recreate the set of Squid Games and gave $456,000 to the winner. I recreated every single set from Squid Game in real life and whichever one of these 456 people survives the longest wins 456 grand. Now, to many of us, this might seem irrational. Mr. Beast made $54 million last year, but he spent 48 million making these videos. Most of us would want to bank a little bit more of that money to save it for a rainy day. But Mr. Beast doesn't. He understands costly signaling and he knows that the reason he's capturing attention is because he invests more than anyone else. And because he invests more than anyone else, people value his videos more than anyone else. It's a simple psychological hack that has propelled his channel to stardom. Input bias and costly signaling are two key components of most Mr. Beast videos. But there is one more tactic that Mr. Beast uses. This one is a little bit more subtle and perhaps not as important, but I still think it's significant. Alongside costly signaling and input bias, Mr. Beast also leverages a different bias. I'm not quite sure what to call this bias. It's similar to the Zygonek effect or the contrast effect, but I might just call it the Mr. Beast effect. Essentially, it's juxtaposition. One of the reasons Mr. Beast's videos are so interesting is because they're unexpected. You don't expect a 24-year-old to have millions of dollars to give away every week. You don't expect someone dressed in a t-shirt and joggers to own dozens of Lamborghinis. Mr. Beast looks like your average 20-something American, and he uses the language of an average 20-something American. He seems relatable, he seems like one of the guys, yet he's creating videos that are in a class of their own, completely unique. Not just unique on YouTube, but unique in history. No one else has ever given away so much this consistently. It's this juxtaposition that makes his videos so intriguing. Viewers get hooked partly because they are intrigued by how someone who looks just like them can do the things he does. You might wonder if Mr. Beast knows he's using this nudge. I think he does. Here's a clip from an interview where he explains why he doesn't record any of his videos in 4K. See, Mr. Beast has access to better camera equipment than most Hollywood movies, yet he records in standard 1080p. Your iPhone can do better. Here's Mr. Beast explaining why. 
ridiculous camera gear available to you. You've got 300 cameras in some videos. You just upgraded your cameras actually to new ones that can shoot 8K resolution. Which I never will because I think it looks too professional. Yeah, so this is the question. Why is it that after all that, you still export in 1080p? I don't like the way high quality footage looks. You know, at the end of the day, it's just me and the boys messing around. You know, we still come up with the videos. It's still things that I find fun and I enjoy and I don't ever want things to feel too produced. This is more juxtaposition. He wants the video to look ordinary, to appear like a friend made it. He doesn't want it to look too polished because it would ruin the contrast effect. Now, Mr. Beast isn't the first person to use this effect, by the way. Rosa Reeves, an American ad executive from the 1950s, definitely knew this influence. Reeves coined the term unique selling proposition. He came up with the slogan, I like Ike, to help Eisenhower win the 1952 election. But importantly, he knew the power of contrast. Dan Pink shares this story in his book, To Sell is Human. One afternoon, Reeves and a colleague were having lunch in Central Park. On the way back to their Madison Avenue office, they encountered a man sitting in the park begging for money. He had a cup for donations, and besides the cup was a sign, a handwritten sign on cardboard that read, I am blind. Unfortunately for the homeless man, the cup only contained a few coins. His attempts to move others to donate money were coming up short. Reeves thought he knew why. He told his colleague, I bet I can dramatically increase the amount of donations that guy gets simply by adding four words to his sign. His friend took him up on the bet. Reeves then went and introduced himself to the homeless man, explaining that he knew something about advertising and offered to change the sign ever so slightly to try and increase his donations. The man agreed, and Reeves took a marker out and added his four words. Almost immediately, a few people started dropping coins into the man's cup. Other people stopped and talked to the man and plucked dollar bills from their wallets. Before long, the cup was apparently overflowing with cash. What four words did Reeves add? Well, he wrote, it is springtime and. It is springtime and. So rather than the sign reading, I am blind, the sign now read, it is springtime and I am blind. Reeves won his bet and we learned a lesson. Contrast captures attention. We feel more sympathy for a blind man when we're reminded that it's a beautiful spring day. And we get more hooked on Mr. Beast's videos when we believe he's just a normal American guy who can also build a like-for-like -like replica of the Squid Games set. I decided to test this for myself. I wanted to see if stories were more engaging when there's juxtaposition involved. So I wrote a blurb for two stories, and I'll apologise in advance because I am no author. These blurbs aren't great, but they're the best I could come up with. I showed one group of 100 Americans this blurb. It read, Man breaks into CIA database and uncovers a secret. This secret reveals how every American election since the turn of the century has been rigged. I then asked participants if they would keep reading this story. For the second group of 100 Americans, I showed them the same story, but with a bit of the Mr. Beast juxtaposition. This story read, A 12-year-old boy breaks into the CIA database and discovers a secret. This secret reveals how every American election since the turn of the century has been rigged. So the stories are pretty much the same. There's one though with a bit of juxtaposition. Rather than a man breaking in, it's a 12-year-old boy. And participants were 24% more likely to want to keep reading the juxtaposition story over the control. 
27.1% said they'd keep reading the control story, the one about the man. 33.7% said they'd keep reading the juxtaposition version. That is pretty conclusive evidence for me. Remember, I only changed one word, changing man to 12-year-old boy, and that one tweak made the story 24% more popular. It's no wonder Mr. Beast's videos perform better than the average YouTube video. They leverage this exact bias. Mr. Beast is one of the world's most popular storytellers. He captures the attention of billions, and he does so without the brand or budget that most modern-day businesses have. He did it, in my opinion, by using three psychological principles designed to gain attention and make people value his work. Input bias, costly signalling, and the contrast effect. That's not all he used, though. Along the way, he leverages several other psychological biases and tactics. For example, he uses loss aversion with his subscribers to make sure they subscribe. Loss aversion means we think losses are more painful than equivalent gains, so we go out of our way to avoid losses. Mr. Beast constantly shares how his subscribers get the chance to win huge amounts of money. Congratulations on winning. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. You have seven days to win $10,000. And obviously... No one wants to miss out on winning 10 grand. We don't want to lose that opportunity. So loss aversion kicks in and the viewers subscribe. Another tactic Mr. Beast is obsessed with is the curiosity gap. The curiosity gap is the reason why we love cliffhangers. When our interest is piqued by a story but the full context isn't revealed, we get drawn in. Mr. Beast packs the first five seconds of his YouTube videos with curiosity. He introduces a premise and then quickly gives reasons for folks to keep watching. I tied up an FBI agent. If he steals this $100,000 from me before midnight, he keeps it. Let's go, Tariq. Oh, oh, what do we do? Oh my gosh, we gotta go. Now, I don't think the curiosity gap can be one of the three main principles behind Mr. Beast's growth because most creators know this. YouTubers, TikTokers, movie trailers, there are countless examples of folks applying this nudge. I just think Mr. Beast does it particularly well. There's one other small nudge that I've seen Mr. Beast use, but rather than using it to gain views, he uses it to raise money for his charitable foundation. Here's Mr. Beast to explain. So we had this leaderboard. Yeah. The more you donated, the higher up you got. So like it would like get like a ego match for people and like so like someone donate 100 grand and be number one and someone donate 101 and then someone donate 200 and elon musk donated a million dollars to be number one which i thought was cool and then um toby from shopify which yeah. i love mm -hmm. shout out yeah. to you you're like super cool uh donated like a million and one dollars so he took yeah. the spot from elon <laughs> that was mr beast on the colin and samir show the nudge he's leveraging there is partly social proof we follow the actions of others so when we see someone donating we flock to do the same but it's also signalling. We want to signal our generosity so we'll give far more than usual when our donations are made public. It's another smart psychological hack that shows Mr. Beast isn't your average American YouTuber that he makes out to be. He is the best at his craft. He deeply understands what makes people pay attention. He has mastered the tactics needed to get our interest and he's studied exactly what strategies make us value his videos highly and keep us coming back. Whether he's aware of the psychological hacks he's using or ambivalent, it doesn't really matter. He's using a medium, YouTube, that gives him direct feedback on how his viewers behave. And he has shared several times that he spends months studying how the algorithm works and even longer analysing viewer retention data on his videos. He knows exactly what makes people click, exactly what makes people watch and exactly how to get them coming back. For the rest of us, whether we're in business, marketing, storytelling, or any other industry, honestly, the ways Mr. Beast garners attention are worth learning.
because even though you won't be looking to gain the attention of a billion teenagers, his approach will work on anyone. Why? Well, because the tactics he's using are based on deeply embedded psychological biases that all of us have. And if we use the input bias, costly signaling and the contrast effect in our messaging, we too will capture attention. I don't think it's hard to see how all types of businesses could benefit from following his principles. A whiskey brand that highlights the exact number of years, months and days its whiskey has been casked for will sell more than others because it's showcasing that input. A marketing agency that sets out a policy where 10% of its staff must be ex-offenders will garner the attention of others and cause the agency to stick in the mind due to the contrast effect. And just look at Patagonia. It gave away the company to climate charities. That's classic costly signaling. By showcasing the expense they've given up, a $3 billion company in their case, people value them more. Now, most of us listening won't have the option to give away a $3 billion company, but there are small ways you can apply this too. Just tweak your email subject line and declare how many hours went into building your latest product. Grow your podcast by offering $1,000 to any fan who creates the most viral TikTok. And sell your video course on how to code by recording a group of grandparents completing it. That will trigger the contrast effect and make it more memorable. Oh, and if you remember anything from this episode, make sure you remember that I spent 50 hours preparing for it. All right, folks, that is all for today. I really hope you enjoyed this show. This episode and a few of the others before it have been a little different, and I'm really hoping you liked them. As always, if you have any feedback, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm P underscore Agnew on there. That's P underscore A-G-N-E-W. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Phil Agnew on there. If you enjoyed this episode, then make sure to head back and listen to my previous episode on Jose Mourinho, just like this episode. That takes a look at how he persuaded, motivated, and influenced people. And if you like this show, you'll like that one. And please do subscribe to the pod wherever you listen. That really helps the show grow. You can also subscribe to my newsletter. You'll get an email every time a new episode goes live. And my subscribers get the chance to win prizes that you wouldn't want to miss out on, right? So to subscribe, go to nudgepodcast.com and click newsletter in the menu. Thank you again for listening, folks. I really hope you enjoyed this one. I'll be back next week for another episode of Nudge.